the Vinyl Revelations podcast with your host, Mr. Sharp. Myself, Captain Cowie. How are you doing, everybody? Sharpie, what a week it's been. How have you been keeping? Um, not too bad. It's been an okay week. I've been on holiday. Um, I've spent some time with the kids. Uh, I've mm. done some... Holiday would be Costa del Bacche. Yes, Costa del Bacche. We've not got very far, but good just spending some time with the kids. Um Digging into the albums that we've chosen, listening to some music, uh, working out when I can. Yeah, it's been an all right week. And yourself? Oh, busy being under pressure and nowhere to go and all this stuff that just makes life a bit of a drag. But, you know, hey, look, it's the weekend. It's Friday night. We're here to talk about music, have a drink. Let's try and make light of the situation. Let's do our best. And uh, hope that our uh, anyone who's listening along, whatever you might be in the world, um, enjoys what we've got to say. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do via the medium of email. Um, the email address is vrpc at gmx.com. That's uh, V for Victor, R for Roger, P for... P for Papa. What? I forgot. <laughs> P for Papa, C for Charlie at G for golf, M for Mike, X for x-ray.com, vrpc at gmx.com. We'd be intrigued to hear what you have to say after listening to two nearly 40-year-old Scottish men talking about hard rock and metal from our where years gone past and our current times. To be fair, we have listened oh. to a lot of music in our time. Indeed. So what have you been listening to uh, this week in general, Sharpie? Anything well, to you? I've been digging into a bit of Children of Bodom. Metal Hammer had um, Lexi Lyo edition. Oh, yeah. Uh, Check that out. Is it good here? Yeah, it's good. It's actually a really good issue, to be honest. There's a few bits and pieces in there worth worth checking out. But, of course, poor poor Alexi. Um, Knew of Children of Bodom, but didn't really know a whole deal about the music. So I've been digging into them a bit. And I've been working out to a bit of Dio and Disturbed. Um, and, of course, the, the music that we've been mm-hmm. um, choosing for, for the podcast. So yeah. it's been quite a full week for music, actually. Yeah, And you, Stuart? Um, well, um, I've been listening to a bunch of different things. I mean, the week before last, I was like... Uh, uh, had the uh, the latest Marlon Manson album "We Are Cases We Are Chaos" on um, on uh, repeat. I was I was absolutely loving it. Um, it's a really great. Last three albums have been absolutely like the, he knocked out of the park. Uh, what else have I been listening to? Um, yeah, I mean, I, my music's been quite uh, varied. Um, I've been listening to uh, a kind of an Australian artist called Donny Binet, who is kind of like. You have to see it to understand it as well. <laughs> like post, I think they, 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 it's officially called post disco, so it's got a bit of a Prince kind of feel to it. But feds that fine line of of, of humor um, without going too far to being like uh, like ridiculous, if you know what I mean. Uh, but it's really cool, sort of like you know, uh, funky um, funky music. Um, and uh, yeah. Um, uh, Three Teeth, I've been uh, back into their first album again. Uh, very industrial sounds. I uh, just love that band. The, you know, they, for me, in terms of like the last sort of four or five years, they are the sort of the preeminent metal 
industrial hard rock, whatever you want to call it, you know, underground band that just, you know, it feels vital. It feels on the edge. It feels like they are seeing the future, singing about it. It sounds futuristic, but with roots in the past, I just, I just, uh, yeah. highly enough of that band. Have you heard uh, Turnstile at all, Stuart? What band's that, sorry? Turnstile. No, totally not. No. They're a bit post-punk, kind of, like, but they're on the heavier side. I think you'd probably like them. They take elements of Rage Against Machine type grooves, but not quite so in your face. And mm. they're a bit of a, an amalgamation of quite a few different types of music, but they're very like that. They're you can see where their roots are, but they're very much pushing to the future. Like I think I think you you you'd like Turnstile. Okay, well, something I'll check out. Yeah, excellent. Um, so, yeah, um, for people who are new to the podcast, um, this is um, a podcast in which we talk about uh, the music that we like, some of it we know, um, some of it we don't know. And uh, in this case, um, we're going to be looking at um, an album by a band called uh, Dark Tranquility. And um, Dark Tranquility is a band I have been into for many years, but um, David, I'm... Um, right to say that this is not the case for you no this is the first time i've heard any of dark tranquility's uh music i've known of them but you know just with a vast amount of music of this type never really had the opportunity before now to dig into their back catalogue or anything so this was a a good opportunity for me to discover what these guys are all about yeah Cool. So um, this is this is part of the the idea of our podcast. It's for uh, for uh, both both of us to learn about new music and to explain it to to one another, and uh, hopefully for everybody else to um, to learn about it and check the artists out. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we've got a, our email address. If you would like to suggest albums to us that uh, Sharpie and I can talk about and uh, discuss, and um, you know, maybe you even you could send in sort of audio clips of, of you with questions that you'd like to ask us, um, please feel free to do it on the VRPC at gmx.com email address. So, without further ado, Sharpie, what album did I send you to listen to for your homework during lockdown? So this week's homework was Dark Tranquility's fiction album. Um, what is it? Was it their sixth album, Stuart? Uh, you know what? I can't actually remember. Uh, yes, I think I'm... Uh, this goes to show you how much um, preparation we go into this. Uh, it doesn't matter anyway. Um, this album, no, it's, uh, it's neither here nor there. Yeah. This album came out in uh, 2007 on uh, Century Media, on Century Media label. And um, I must admit, when it came out in 2007, I didn't know about Dark Tranquility at the time. I had heard one song, um, uh, which I had somehow as an MP3 clip on, on my, uh, my iPod from back then. But I was, I was intrigued by the name, but I didn't, I didn't know the band um, at all. Uh, so let's wind back in time. So 2007, that's now 13 years ago. We would have, hey gods. We would have still been in our 20s, uh, Mr. Sharp. Mm. Uh, what sort of music were you listening to circa 2007, 2008, 2009? Yeah, this was a funny kind of time for me. I'd maybe dipped out of heavy metal largely. I, I'd gone on a big 60s and 70s mm. 
fringe. I was listening to a bit of indie thing like uh, nonsense like um, Electric Six. Ah. Um, I was listening to a lot of Pearl Jam actually um, about this time. Um, were you still in Aberdeen at that time, or had you moved? Yeah, to- yeah, definitely still still in that. Uh, yeah, just about to leave Aberdeen. So yeah, it was yeah funny time kind of pers- personally for me as as well. Um, I mean, not long after this, I actually got back into metal in a big, big way. Um, but uh, I, I was listening to everything and kind of nothing, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think um, I had probably something similar happen to me. Um, I'm just trying to think if that was before this or slightly after this. Um, in any case, um, so uh, you were listening to a variety of, of different things. I myself around this time, um, well, I, as, as maybe you've picked up from previous episodes, in the 90s I was big into sort of uh, like at the start of the 90s, I was big into sort of dream theatre and Steve Vai and Ingrid Malmsteen and Metallica and all these sort of things. And then by the end of the 90s, I'd sort of segued into sort of like Corn and the Smashing Pumpkins. And I really liked uh, Limp Bizkit. I mean, I'd, I'd loved Rage Against the Machine earlier with Pantera earlier in the decade. Uh, but then a bit like yourself, I sort of fizzled out and there wasn't really anything. Sort of, this would have been sort of 2001, two, three. Alison Chains were a big band about then, then for me, um, but nothing had sort of picked up. But then um, I think it was in like it must have been like a CD that came with Metal Hammer. There was a track by a band called Soilwork on it from their album Figure Number Five. And when I heard this, I was like, "Holy shit! This is this yeah, is amazing!" And I started finding the early days of the internet. Um, and I was trying to find it. This Soilwork, they, they they sound they sound familiar, but they sound different. And, um, up until then. I don't know about you, but all music I listened to was either British or American. Yeah, th- this is an interesting point. Yeah, yeah very much so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so um, I find that this band Soilwork is a band from Sweden. I'm saying, what? Sweden? Well, that's like uh, Ace of Base and ABBA, isn't it? But um, when listening to uh, Soilwork, I went out and got the, the album figure number five. I thought, Christ, this is amazing. It's got technical guitars. It's got keyboards. It's riff heavy. Great singer. Uh, this just sounds like fresh and new, and I was really quite quite taken with it. And I started exploring kind of geographically music from a different part of the world. Um, and you know, I got into like uh, Dinuborger from uh, Norway and uh, Spiritual Beggars, their guitarist uh, Michael Amott. Through that, I got into Arch Enemy. So, uh, sort of something similar for you, Sharpie. I was I was going to ask you, Stuart. Do you think there was a bit of a stigma, like from our peer group, about um, Scandinavian metal? Because when we were in our teens, there was the whole black metal scene, and there was murders and church burnings and all that kind of nasty shit going on. Do you think there was maybe a bit of a bit of a stigma with 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 some? Scandinavian metal. Um, I'm not sure I would agree with that per se. I would say it was probably just complete ignorance. Yeah. And I was, that when you p- point that out, I, I do sort of vaguely recall um, the sort of Norwegian church burning things. and I, I, But that's probably more due to the cause um, I watched that movie a couple of years ago, the uh, 
Johanna Sackerlund's uh, movie about that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to be honest, like, you know, Britain in, in the 90s, um, when we were teenagers, was still a fairly cut off place. You know, we didn't really have much um, kind of, it, it didn't feel very international like it does now. Um, and, you know, Europe was, I don't know about you, but it was Euro trash and rapido. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I was thinking back, like, I always bought the metal press or the, the music press at this time. I never really bought NME, but certainly um, Terrorizer, uh, Kerrang, uh, mm. which was a proper hard rock mm. publication at the time, and certainly Metal Hammer. Uh, and I've always bought, you know, um, these media as a sources of, of, of information sort of thing. And I was thinking back to this time, and I can't remember even Metal Hammer covering the Gothenburg metal scene in any great depth. No, no. So because of that, th this this essentially passed me by and it's only, it's, I've had to latterly go back and almost rediscover it in, in, in a lot of ways, you know. I mean, I knew about Slaughter of the Soul. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I kind of knew about Carcass fairly early on. They're, they're a a British band that were tagged on to this Gothenburg sound and scene, uh, but I, I kind of knew about Carcass, um, yeah. but nothing was really promoted um, from the metal press. Yeah, I think they were going they were going silly over new metal and kind of various other things that were that were going yeah. on around around the I time. You know, I think there's there's uh, there's sort of uh, the you know um, as you get older, time starts to distort when you look back. So I think. Um, like bands like Carcass and At the Gates um, were part of the what you would call the classic like death metal, you know, um, and the death thing um, was very much a part of uh, Eric, um, um, the uh, the label Eric based somewhere I think in Nottingham or in London I can't remember. They've so got a lot of Swedish death metal bands, and the Swedish death metal bands tended to be from the Stockholm area, so Eastern Sweden. And then in America, you had the kind of Florida, the death metal, like uh, Morbid Angel. Carnival and, Corpse and people like that. And, and that was, um, you know, very heavy guitars, but the, the vocals were also uh, this kind of, like, that's where I first kind of heard that kind of uh, growly sort of um, thing. Um, and, of course, you got that sort of ridiculous, you'd sometimes see it like in Beavs and Butthead, like a death metal video, and it was like, oh, oh, that kind of thing. But anyway. Um, so if we fast forward time back to sort of 2001, 2003, um, we've got Soilwork. That was my introduction into this sort of uh, Scandinavian thing. Um, and in my life, it also um, aligned with me uh, moving abroad, uh, first to Austria, which kind of opened me up to um, the sort of power metal thing, which we'll talk about later um, uh, in another episode. Um, but... Uh, Dark Tranquility was introduced to me by going into a record shop when I was living in uh, Nagoya, Japan. There was a big tower records store in the Kintetsu building. And they used to have like publications, you know, saying what bands are coming to town. And I picked up the leaflet and, you know, it was all in Japanese, but obviously band names were in the, you know, the kind of the, the logo. And I saw Dark Tranquility and I thought, hmm, I, I, I recognize that name from somewhere. Clearly, I'd read about it somehow, having read about soil work. But uh, I thought, oh, yeah, I'll check that out. And in 2007 and eight, 
what was the biggest um, kind of uh, social media on the internet? Can you think what that might be? MySpace or something, was it? 100%, yeah, MySpace. Back in those days, you, had, you could get three songs to sort of stream, as you call it nowadays. So I went onto the Dark Tranquility MySpace website and listened to the, the three tracks, uh, which were basically singles from the album Fiction, which they just released in 2007. And I was like, holy moly, this is... Uh, it's very different to me. I wasn't. I didn't really like the growly vocals, but there was something about it that I, I really liked. Um, so the three singles from this album are Terminus, Where Death Is Most Alive, uh, Misery's Crown, and Focus. Oh, what? Death. Those are two great songs. <laughs> They're brilliant songs. Like. Yeah. Hmm? So before we dive straight into the album, I think we should probably talk about the, uh, the melodic death metal scene of Gothenburg, which um, you just alluded to earlier when you were talking to At The Gate. So David, what, what's your kind of um, knowledge or impression of the melodic death yeah, so, scene from Gothenburg? Yeah, um, so a bunch of bands in um, Gothenburg, a town about the size of Aberdeen, um, kind of seem to have embraced the, the original feeling and ethos of metal kept it alive while new metal was burning itself out um a lot of uh iron maiden riff worship but on a heavier kind of scale um added with these growly growly vocals um three bands in particular emerged from that scene i believe dark trunk Tranquility and their first incarnation were one at the gates and then flames. Um, and they've all got their individual nuances, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point, actually. Yeah, the way I kind of describe it when I talk to people about it is that they're like they're from the same compass, but there are different, you know, northeast, south, and west parts of it. So when I think of like at the gates which are probably the first of the established um, melodic death metal bands from Gothenburg. They are, you know, they're a thrash band. They've got Slayer and the kind of uh, death metal sound. When you go to In Flames, you've got the kind of metal plus thrash. So it's like, it's like Swedish death metal plus, um, uh, you know, Iron Maiden and the, the twin guitar thing. When you go to Dark Tranquility, this is more like, Hit, like the prog version of this so it's like Depeche Mode plus Rush in a kind of death metal kind of sound if you know what I mean because they were the ones that were big in the, the keyboards and Soilwork were probably more like the sort of Pantera version of that they, with keyboards I always think of them like kind of Pantera plus Deep Purple something like that for some reason I kind of wondered I started viewing these bands almost on a linear scale from almost pure doom metal like at the gates are the heaviest of all these bands to like a linear scale up to these guys Dark Tranquility which are definitely more on, on the symphonic side um, and point you know even to things in some of their songs like Nightwish and things like that mm. I'm not sure I would agree with that <laughs> Uh, specifically, but I do think that you're right to say that they're at the more um, you could probably say cerebral side of of the of the 
of the music in, in the sense that they, you know, they, they use the keyboards and they're a bit... Um, uh, There's a technicality to this band that isn't quite there with, with the other bands of this genre, I think. Yeah, I think, yeah, they, they, they take their, they sort of think about things a little bit more, um, whereas, like, I think At The Gates, I mean, At The Gates are the, the kind of, the, the classic sort of, um, well, I was going to say one-hit wonder, but they had the, I know they had two or three albums, oh, yeah, the song so long. Uh, yeah, it's, that kind of blew them up, and then literally, they blew up. Um, you know, thereafter, you had In Flames, who sort of moved from a more extreme death metal to a kind of uh, a more—I uh, don't like to say it, commercial sound, but a more a more popular sound, more accessible. They're almost emo um, now, and it, I would say. <laughs> um, I think their last album was actually really good. The, the, there was the kind of the late two thousand and tens, which was about this time. They were definitely in a, uh, a sticky wicket, but I think they've yeah. sort of, uh, come out of that uh, now. Um, so um, let's let's. Um, I think one of the things I want to talk about with the melodic death metal thing from Gothenburg is, is you know, have you ever been no, to Sweden? No, not had the fortune to go to Sweden. No, have you? Yes, I, I've actually been. Um, I've been uh, three times. So the first time I went was um, about two thousand and five, right. and I went to Gothenburg. And Gothenburg is um, it's actually a bigger city than Aberdeen. It's actually probably is about it right, the size right, of right. Glasgow. It's the second second city of of um, Sweden. I think Stockholm's like a half million. I think oh, Gothenburg's right. about six hundred to seven hundred. And it, I think uh, one of the, it's, it's kind of like a big port city, uh, but it's I think I think Volvo, the, you know, the Swedish car and sort of aerospace company. So it's it's kind of what you would mm -hmm. say is like the industrial sort of city of, of Sweden. But I don't know about you or anybody listening. My impression of Sweden has always been a kind of like a very kind of like nice place to live, you know, um, you know, not many problems, social or economic. Um, so it's kind of intriguing that this kind of like very violent sounding music came from that. What, what do you think about that, Sharpie? I don't know. I, I think to cast like aspersions as to the environment of where music comes from, from my experience of music, it can be a little misleading. Like, you know, there's the death metal scene in Florida. There's, you know, California known mm. for its thrash and things. You know, these are these are yeah. sunny, beautiful places. Yeah, but I mean, I think um, for like, you know, I'm looking at you with your Slayer t-shirt on, you know, in Los Angeles, you know, it's a hot city. Um, there's, you know, you know, racial mm. tensions. There's these sort of things. In Florida, maybe there's like... The death metal thing in America seemed to be more obviously kind of like, let's say anti-religious, but it would use the satanic motifs a little bit more obviously. Whereas um, like a band like Entombed, I don't really have that, you know, it wasn't like, you know, we, we've got to, you know, destroy your gods or, you know, burn churches or anything like that. It was more just kind of like, it was almost like kind of the, the, that back to an 80s horror movie rather than, you know, kind of anti-religious thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah so that that's the way I that's the way I can see it. So um 
getting back to the album Fiction, which came out in 2007. So I was living in Japan. I got the, um, I was in the Tower Records. I picked up the leaflet. Said this band, Dark Tropical, is playing in Nagoya. And I thought, hmm, I'd, I've not been to a gig yet in Japan. I think I quite like that. Check them out in MySpace. Hmm, I do like this. Go back to Tower Records the next day, and I pick up the album Fiction, and I stick it in my CD player, and I'm like, holy moly, this is, yeah, this is, this is, this is really, this is, well. It's got keyboards. I've always liked keyboards. I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not going to deny it or make apologies for it. I like that. I was surprised by the, the vocals at first, but I really, I really got into it. Um, so I think now's a good time to talk about the personnel of, of the band. So um, David, as someone who's just been acquainted with him, what parts of the instrumentation did you enjoy, like, or did you like the vocals? Did you not like the vocals? Did you think the drummer was great? Did you think the drummer was bad? What... For a long time, um, I resisted metal with growled vocals. And then mm -hmm. there was one day I was listening to Arch Enemy, because I've been into Arch Enemy for a long time. And I was kind of thinking, why am I doing this to myself? I'm missing out on so much... Mm good music and it was like a key opening a door you know so when I, yeah. I let go of that hang up you know it, it opened you know a, a massive new world for me so actually I, f I found this very very accessible and I, mm -hmm. I'm going to make no bones about it. I listen to a lot of metal and a lot of now in this day and age European metal and, yeah. and hard rock um creator bands like that you know so, but having the keyboards and the piano as textures over the heavy guitars and riffing yeah, actually elevated the music to me I, 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 it, it was um, it was almost like a it was just something extra for my ear to hook on to um, yeah, yeah, and it was it was it was refreshing to me to to listen to in in a lot of ways, yeah. and so the, I found out I listened to this in layers. Um, I, mm. I got because I'd never heard this before, so I actually bought the album to dig into it a lot deeper. Because, and the more I listened to it, the more I enjoyed it. Like you know, so I listened to it and got my ear around the riffs and the song structures and stuff, and then I got my ear tuned to the riffs. Um. Yeah. And and the vocal parts, and then, I then I really listened to how the the synths and the 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 pianos and orchestration yeah. kind of worked in amongst all these things, and it it was just it was I found it actually a a really refreshing album to listen to. So it wasn't like symphonic heavy like listen to Nightwish records, you know. It was um, elevating bits of this. So it seems that. This is a band who, through their time, have experimented with certain things, uh, experimented with yeah. with different instrumentations, and instrumented with heavy and and honed that heavy part of, of who they are, and they're 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 now adding yeah. to to their overall sound with with these bits, but they're not overpowering the band yeah. with 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 any of it at any point, you know. Um, yeah. So I, I I just thought this was a great album. I. I, I loved 
and listen to it from from the moment it happened the CD player, like you know. Super. Well, I think that's a good way to um, kind of segue into talking about uh, the the actual musicians, but maybe via a kind of brief um, uh, band history. And as I'm the one who's the kind of uh, the nominated doctor <laughs> fan, I'll, I'll quickly do that. Um, as you kind of, um, mentioned, the band started off in the sort of uh, 93, 4, 5, uh, and they released the album uh, Sky Dancer in the, in the gallery. And I'll be perfectly honest, even as a Dark Trinkle fan, I'm not bothered with these albums because the production's really tinny and, you know, they sounded like a band that were trying, like like most kids, they were trying to put too many things into the songs and trying, they were playing, like, faster mm -hmm. than they actually could. So I didn't really bother with that. They came to the Mind's Eye, I think, about 97, and then they had a change of lineup where the guitarist left. So in 99, this is the key point. So the Mark II version of Dark Trickle is, I call it, we had uh, Mikhail Spana, the vocalist. We had um, Anders Evers, um, sorry, he's the current bass player. We had uh, Nicholas Sundin, uh, uh, Martin Hendrickson, they were the two guitarists. Uh, Mikkel Nicholson, who was the bass player, and the, the, the drummer, Andres uh, Evarp, and they brought in the keyboardist, Martin Brandstrom. Uh, so in 1999, they released Projector, which was the first album that they had mm. keyboards in it, and they also had clean vocals. And this is kind of a key album uh, for them. Uh, quickly followed by Haven, and the, album, and the song started getting sort of a little bit shorter and tighter. And I don't know if you noticed on Fiction, David, but all the songs, I think, are about four to five. I did minutes. notice that there's not a single song on this album that doesn't stay outstay its welcome. It gets the job done. Exactly. It pummels you, it engages you, and that's it done. On to the next one. And I found that in itself, that self-editing quality of, of this. Yeah. Again, a word that I'm going to use, re refreshing, because there's not enough bands out there that can that self edit in this way yeah i hope, oh, I hope metallica please, listening to this. yes <laughs> oh my god yes yeah um so yeah um uh so 99 projector i think 2000 haven came out they had a big song with wonders at your feet and then what i would call the home run of albums we had um starting with damage done which is a really aggressive album then Character, which is an amazing album, and I really want to talk about that one um, um, uh, as well, because that's probably my equal favourite album, but I think Fiction mm. just shades it. Character came out in 2005, and then Fiction came out in 2008, and Fiction is the last of the classic lineup um, albums. After that, the, um, the bass player, uh, Mikael Nicholson, he left the band, and then for the next sort of four or five years, there was quite a few lineup changes. And in fact, the current incarnation of Dark Tranquility has none of the original guitarists, which is quite a, you know, a, a unique thing for a band to lose their kind of, their guitar, or, you know, you know, the front, the front two, as you, as you would say. But, um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, uh back the vocals, uh, Mikhail Stana. Again, first time I'd heard this kind of, um, growling apart from arch enemy it's the first time i would heard this kind of i wouldn't even call it growl vocals i would say it's more like a kind of um rasp or something but i i mean i've always liked 
vocalists who have a, a unique sound, like, you know, even somebody like Billy Corgan, who kind of snarls, and Lane Staley, who had a kind of, kind of drone, um, you know, even Axl Rose, you know, has a kind of a, kind of a rough sounding mm-hmm. voice, you know what I mean? Ozzy Osbourne is not a great singer, but he's got a great sound, you know what I mean? Um, I think the thing about Miko Sana was, even though he has that aggressive um, growl, rasp, whatever you want to call it, I could make out most of the words that he was saying. I don't know yeah, that's means. a very good point. And I think that's quite a, probably a challenging skill as a vocalist of this type to, you know, yeah. to, 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 yeah. to, to develop. It would be very yeah. easy, I think, to just, you know, destroy any kind of syncopation or anything mm. with with the music and, and make it incomprehensible. Incom- yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, like I said, so I, um, I I bought tickets to see Dark Tranquility in Nagoya. They were supporting, they're supported by The Haunted. I've seen them. Another sort of Swedish uh, uh, Yeah, so actually, to tie it back with the, At The Gates, the two brothers, um, which I think is the guitarist and the bass player, the two guitarists, I can't remember, from At The Gates were the guitarist and bass player I for The Haunted. I thought I recognised that next. particular guitar sound. That makes so much sense. Mm. They've got a couple of cracking albums as well, The Haunted. Yeah. They, are, they are a good band. Yeah. 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 So um, I went to see uh, Dark Tranquility in this uh, sort of small nightclub called Club Quattro in in, um, in Nagoya, and uh, I, you know, I, I was really taken by them. I thought, fuck, this this band is like like really really cool. And after the show, I got to speak with the then guitarist uh, Nicholas Sundin, and yeah, really nice guys and stuff like that. Uh, I was just just uh, uh, so taken about. But um, you know, as I say. Not many bands play with keyboards, and I keep going back to this, but I think um, one of the, 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 the key influences on um, Dark Tranquility, well, there's two that I can see. One is Depeche Mode, and the other is Rush. Um, and Depeche Mode, the kind of the keyboard sound orchestration, I mean, Depeche Mode are a huge band, I think, for a lot of metal bands, actually. They just don't quite realize it. Um, and Rush have that, well... The Neil Peart was the the uh, the lyricist who is a very a very very good and um, cerebral sort of thinker. I think uh, Mikael Stana took a lot from his lyrical style. I think the way Mikael Stana does it, he kind of shouts words out, so that you don't actually difficult to kind of um, you you get the you get a, a kind of very broad picture, but you don't get the actual point. So it's very kind of open to interpretation, if you know what I mean. You know, some some vocalists or some lyricists tell you exactly what you want that what they want you to think. When you look at the lyrics on this album, like a lot of them, I'm I'm kind of like, I just kind of see what you're talking about, but I'm not a hundred percent clear. I mean, like the lesser faith, which I think was a song you picked up as the second mm. song in the album. Uh, you know. Uh, obviously sort of touching on the politics of the time a little bit. Um, so, um, yeah, I've been listening to Dark Quality for you know, 13 years. Um, you've been listening to it for about 13 days. What what songs like really stuck out to you or or maybe they did Just about every know. song in, in its own way, I, I thought was a highlight because it's, it, it's because each song is, is so well, edited and crafted nothing goes yeah, yeah. beyond where it's welcome so 
the flow of the album is mm. it's just the way it's 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 cut, the, put together is mm. is is phenomenal. Yeah. So each song seems to have its place, and I've got a, a question for you about this later on. Um, I mean, right. the lesser faith has just got a great riff. Um, and the way the the synths and the piano interact with with the guitars and that um, inside the particle storm is just an absolute banger. I love that song so much. I actually thought did, I had a bit. Yeah. I started hearing. Diff- yeah, I think that's. I think, that's a I think it is. The I, I started it's hearing um, yeah. different kind of almost influences. The more I heard this album, I thought. Had a, almost like a Paradise Lost type gothic introduction to it, um, mm. and later on, I heard almost a bit of Pink Floyd and the mundane and the magic, um, Misery Crown. That mm. is, uh, yeah, that's one of my favourite songs right there. Um, yeah, that was singles. It's kind of like um, I don't know you. you you could almost describe it as a kind of like a, like a, like a rock ballad sort of Do you know thing. the thing is, it's got a bit of Sisters of Mercy you know I mean? to it. You know. Do you know Sisters of Mercy at all? Uh, I, it's not the first thing I would have said, but I think that is one of the, like, the, the most... To be honest, the, the song that I kind of... Um, it, that, that's a very Iron Maiden song to me, because you've got the twin guitars and a very kind of bass-driven sort of melody. You know, the, uh, you know, the, the vocals kind of... Uh, what am I trying to say here? Yeah, I I I wouldn't say it's a Sister Mercy's type song, but I don't know that band well enough to uh, to really say one thing or the other. I think um, one of the key things, just in general, is is it's just the way that the in all of the songs, like the you have this kind of like a template where you've got the guitars going, you know, and then you've got the keyboard on top. And then you've got the keys, mm-hmm. like the piano, playing a melody, and it's just like kind of shards of glass stabbing through um, space, and it really, um, uh, it really accentuates um, the songs. And I think another thing is quite key in this: like, they use quite a lot of like breakdowns to, like, um, you know, just like set the tempo again, then builds up, you know, so the bass will sort of play a kind of like a like, kind of like a lead. Line There's a chill key out. change in the song "Is Cipher" about two and a half minutes, two minutes mm. forty-five. That cr- yeah. the key change creates a breakdown that is just out of this world. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think that's actually pronounced. Oh right. I see fear. I okay. See <laughs> is my, my fear. ignorant mind like? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's actually. No, no. Sharpie, I let's say I've been listening to this album for like 13 years, and um, I it was really just in preparation for this. I started looking at the lyrics in more detail, and for the for the broadest part, I couldn't really couldn't really put my finger on exactly what he was saying. But with the icy fear one, I mm. think the the lyrics are really good there. You know, you know the thing that scares me most is the fear I see in others, and the thing that really frightens me to the core is when I see that fear in you. I mean, that really I think for you know, nowadays when you're walking down the street and people are scared to look well, or breathe poetry, near anybody, it? that's poetry. Kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> you know, phenomenal lyricism. Yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. So, um, 
yeah. Um, so uh, the fiction came out in 2007, and there was uh, the standard came with 10 tracks. But there was an expanded edition which came with uh, four extra tracks, which were made up of, I think, the uh, Japanese edition tracks and two others. Um, and um, so the expanded edition has the additional tracks, um, A Closer End, which is a really cracking track, A Winter's Triangle, which is a brilliant little instrumental, and then two other yeah. tracks which are okay, Below the Radiance and The House of Tongues. Um, if you were going to pick up this album, I would recommend that you get the expanded edition. Um, I bought it on vinyl, um, and I, I really enjoyed the sound. The, um, the production uh, sound is a little bit different to the CD, but uh, nonetheless, I like it uh, very, very much. Um, so, David, in what bands do you hear as being influences on Dark Tranquility and what um, bands do you hear as in the music that you listen to? Do you hear any that have been by Dark Tranquility, or is, is it you know is this just so far out? No, of no, your I mean, not, not at all. I mean, music, this is but... this is kind of right up there. This is music of this type is you know the guts of of what I listen to a lot of these days. You know, um, I mean, I see, I hear a lot of Arch Enemy in there, a lot of Killswitch Engage. Um, a lot of Trivium, Bullet from a Valentine before yeah. they crashed and burned. Um, yeah, I mean there, there was a there was a time when this type of riffy metal wasn't hugely popular, but there was a whole bunch of bands just after that um, that picked up the gauntlet. In a lot of ways, you know, kill switches yeah. and triviums in particular. You know, um, they they don't have the maybe quite have the the synthesizers, but certainly that Gothenburg sound was, I think, very influent influential mm -hmm. to you know a lot of these bands. Yeah, it's funny you should mention that because uh, Dark Tranquility went on tour. Um, and I think it must have been the character or damage done era, so that's 2003, 4, 5, something like that. Uh, they went on tour with um, Soilwork and Devin Townsend in North America and uh, Killswitch Engage. It might have been actually earlier than this, but Killswitch Engage said that tour was like uh, when they came to um, Boston, I think Killswitch Engage are from, they said this was a massive influence. I mean, that would have been a brilliant gig. I mean, that was basically... For, for the yeah, longest like period, they were my favourite bands. Dark Drum Will mm. and Devin Townsend, you know, amazing. Because um, I think yeah. Arch Enemy have, they've, they've always had some phonic kind of doomy sounds. Mm. Some of their albums are heavier than others. Their earlier stuff all is obviously a bit heavier, but they've, I think as time's gone on, they've introduced more symphonic elements. They're not pure symphonic by any means but they've definitely in the last mm. couple of albums they've introduced more symphonic elements interweaving that bludgeoning guitar sound um, more akin I would say to Dark Tranquility Yeah I I mean Arch, Arch Enemy were probably the first band that I heard that specifically did that kind of the growly vocals thing and 
Um, I mean, I know that uh, we're scheduled to talk about Iron Maiden in our next podcast um, uh, in a particular period of time of Iron Maiden. And I think Arch Enemy actually kind of actually uh, were part of kind of an inverted part of the revival of Iron Maiden in, in a sense, um, because they, they, they really played the, the kind of classic heavy metal, but blended it with the sort of death metal um, thing. Uh, and, you know, obviously Michael Amoff is just, I mean, uh, a sensational guitarist. I mean, I just, uh, you know, everything he touches. Is Have you like heard gold, a lot of Carcass you know? then, Stuart? Um, uh, no, not really. Um, I, I, me- I remember like going back to the 90s, uh, a mutual friend of ours had a Carcass album and uh, I did quite uh, enjoy it. But at that point in time, you know, I, in the 90s, I was not into that. Like, I liked Rage Against the Machine, I liked Dream Theater, I liked Pantera. I was still into Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin. You know, I hadn't quite, you know, developed uh, a kind of a more mature um, uh, kind of musical palette. But um, I think um, one of the reasons that I like... Um, uh, Dark Tranquility, as, as we were talking about earlier, they, they, they've already crafted songs uh, and crafted albums in the sense that nothing overstays its welcome. And, and I think this album, the first four tracks, is like, it's like, it's like when you're getting pulled up um, a, a ride, you know, like a roller coaster, and they, mm. you know, you just, everything gets better and better and better, you know. Um, nothing to No One, Brilliant, Lesser Faith, Terminus as an amazing album, and Blind at Heart, the drum kind of breakdown there is amazing. And then, as you said, in Icy Fear and Inside the Particle Storm, and probably Empty Me is a kind of, it's sort of, it's like a, you could call it like a classic, uh, like M-shaped album. You know, it goes up for the first four tracks and then it, you know, breaks down a little bit for like, you know, a bit of, bit of cool. And then the last three tracks just take you on the, on the up and up, the Misery's Crown Focus Shift, which Focus Shift reminds me of a sort of Power Slave Iron Maiden for some reason. But uh, yeah, I just think it's... Uh, an absolutely superb album. Um, so, I mean, David, then where would you sort of pick? Sorry, you say that say? again? If you were to give it marks out of, out of 10, oh, nine. What, where, where would you kind of yeah, think? Yeah, nine, nine out of 10. Can I nine, ask yeah. you, Stuart, so I, I haven't got any of the Japanese expanded editions. I've got the the base level version with... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, the the ten songs on it, and it's the, this album's clearly got an ending song. And I, I did listen to the additional tracks mm. on the Japanese version, and I have to admit, apart from the one song, is it the Winter's Tale? The, the I Triangle, couldn't yeah. see what they added to this because the three of those songs they're all they're they're good, but they're not outstanding tracks like. Is on the albums. So, what do they bring? Yeah. To you, that is not already on the album. Um, well, I think um, uh, for me, out of the four extra tracks, um, the uh, "Blow the Radiance" and "Silence of the House of Tongues," they are, yeah, cut them off. We don't need them. They're they're nothing special. "Closer End" and tra- "Winter's Triangle," I think, are really good tracks and. I've always quite liked albums that have, like, The Winter Triangle is like an instrumental. It's kind of, like, moody and repetitive. And I always feel like that's quite, like, that could sit in the middle of an album 
like somewhere. But and the closer, I just quite like the the riffs and the lyrics. Um, to answer your specific question, does it add anything to the album? Probably not, because as we were talking about this, like I like albums that are like not more than ten or twelve songs. You know, preferably eight. Uh, ten is a nice number, um, and. I was thinking about this. I, I'm not sure you could fit those other two songs that I like into the album without um, slightly disturbing it um, in a slight way. I'm a big fan. I like those two songs. Um, but you're right. This is a, a perfectly, uh, to, to most people's ears, this is a perfectly crafted album and all the parts fit. And if you take one part away, the whole thing falls apart. If you push something else in, then it gets bloated. Yeah, so. So, um, I don't know. Um, if anybody out there is a Dark Tranquility fan and would like us to review them or any other ones, well, please get in touch on the, uh, on the old email, uh, vrpc at gmx.com. Sharpie, have you checked out any other Dark Tranquility albums? Yeah, I kind of went through a li- just a little bit of their, their back catalogue. I listened to the album. It's kind of either side of this. Um I didn't have a whole lot of time to really dig into their back catalogue. Um, They're definitely a band that I'll be exploring more, though, I have to say, because I like the cut of their jib, to be honest. I like what they're trying to do. These Gothenburg bands, they've got a very definitive kind of sound to them, but with their other elements of instrumentation they, they seem to be a band that don't want to be uh, constrained by that pure Gothenburg sound. They want to progress what they are beyond just being a Gothenburg doom metal, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, as I say, um, I would I would recommend their kind of their kind of what we call the the classic lineup phase. So that's Projector, Haven, Damage Done, Character, and Fiction. These are, I think, the the best uh, group of albums. My favorite is Fiction and Character. After Fiction, they went through some lineup changes, and the next two albums are a bit a, a little bit hidden. Yeah, you still there, Stuart? Yep. Yeah. 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 Sorry, we just had some technical problems. Our producer working on them just now. I think we're fixed. You don't yes, we're good. Yep, yep. The time when we have technical, I think that's always so, a good time to have a little um, drink. So what are you drinking there, Sharpie? Beer collection. So I am drinking Yever Pilsner tonight. So I'm going. I'm starting light, and then I'm going to work my way up to the more mm. the vice beers and things that I like. How about you? Um, well, I, I'm back on the uh, on this Korean uh, Mowgli stuff, uh, which I, I really like it. It's this um, milky coloured. Uh, it doesn't look very appetising, but uh, I find it <laughs> rather nice, actually. Um, so, yeah, before we were rudely interrupted by technical problems, the album that came up after Fiction, We Are the Void, first couple of songs are really good, and then it really tails off badly. Construct, the album that came after that, is... Is is more um, um yeah it's 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 okay it's a bit sort of um a little bit forget forgettable but there's some good songs on it but 
Um, the, the last two albums, Atoma from 2016 and last year's uh, Moment, are a definite pickup. Um, so that, that's where I would be uh, pointing anybody who's intrigued by this band to go to. So I think, um, I don't know if there's, that's enough to be talking about for uh, Dark Tone Quilty's Fiction. Sharpie, any final thoughts or words? Yeah, or? I think I'm definitely going to go into their back catalogue. I'm definitely going to explore the albums around about this a bit more. Um, yeah, they're bands that you've introduced me to that are right up my strassa, really. Well, that, that, that's uh, that's good to know. Um, I hope that um, uh, anybody listening will, will also check them out. Um, if you like them, that's great. If you don't like them, then tell us why. And, uh, you know, we'll, we're always happy to have a chat um, and sort of discuss things. Um, um, just to, as a final question, David, um, you know, as, as we're uh, in our late 30s, let's just say, um, when you pick up, uh, when you get into a new band, um, what kind of um, uh, I won't say emotions, but what, what you know, what how how does it influence uh, your outlook or your 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 daily life? If you know what I mean. So, for example, when we were kids and uh, you know, Hard Rage Against the Machine, you know, you would have been jumping up and down about the system and all that sort of stuff. Um, as you're a more mature person now, how does that does um, when you get a new and it really it really wow well, that's, you, what, that's what's your kind of um, reaction? Quite a question. The, this I've I've actually found that the same things that ex- excite me and trigger me now are the same things that triggered me when I was thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Um, my political views have matured and developed a bit. Listen to bands. I align my political views to. There's, you know, no two ways about it. I guess it's human nature. You're not going to do anything, anything else. Um, I listen to a lot of bands that are quite emotionally engaging. Still, um, I don't really listen to any music that I can't emotionally engage with, and that goes from, you know orchestral jazz stuff through to the like the heaviest of of metal if i can't emote with it in any way it it doesn't do anything for me and then there's sometimes where you just want to thrash and you know let loose and have a bit of fun and that's where bands like you know slayer come in you know so i would definitely say my taste in music has got heavier and i listen to things that are heavier now than I would have ever listened to when I was, you know, my unhappiest, most pissed off of the world teen. I actually listen to heavier music now than, than I ever have done. Um, and I don't know if that's because my my ear has become more developed so I can rationalise the noise that I'm hearing or... or Whatever I I don't know, but um, I enjoy heavier music now than than I ever have done. Um, but you know, I, I listen to a lot of different things. You know, if I want to chill out at night with a bottle of wine and and a book, I'll stick on some some jazz. You know, and I mean, my musical taste has has developed hugely. So it's not just got narrow and heavier; it's got wider and yeah. 
and more interesting as well, you know. How about yourself, yeah. Stuart? Yeah. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I think uh, I, I might have gone the opposite direction, actually. I think, um, uh, you know, as we've discussed previously, you know, I really got into the synthwave, you know, in sort of 2013-14 and you know, one of my favorite bands now is The Midnight, this kind of like, uh, you know, sort of straddle, synthwave, vaporwave, but their own, their own thing. And it's, it's you know, it's um, a very like chilled out, um, happy kind of music. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I've, I've probably segued more into that sort of uh, less heavy stuff. Um, but, um, you know, I always like coming back to these uh these bands. Well, having said that, I'm going to contradict myself in that probably the sort of um, two or three years ago, I started getting into the, the classic death metal sounds, which was something that I did not uh, get into earlier. So, um, and <laughs> one band that I think we'll have to talk about at some point is Bolt Thrower, which are British. Um, but I kind of got into them through like the reverse engineering. I kind of I, I, I liked Entombed for the last sort of like couple of their albums for the last sort of five six seven years and then I thought well what else is there that's kind of similar like that and then I heard uh, um, shit what's that band called ah fuck it's gone right in my mind uh, doesn't matter Swedish death metal band Bloodbound, uh, Bloodbound. No, blood... oh, God, it's gone right in my head sorry and then uh, yeah Bloodbath sorry <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to Hammerfall that's what that was about um uh, yeah, Bloodbath, and then kind of getting through, we were talking about earlier, like Eric um, and Bolt Thrower, like that kind of British death metal, you were talking about Carcass. Um, I was quite, you know, uh, taken by that. But anyway, look, that's that's an hour I think we've been going. I think um, I think that was interesting. I think this is probably um, the first podcast where We've in, a, a completely new band has been introduced to one of us last week. Obviously, um, I, you uh, we talked about the Who live at Leeds. I mean, everybody knows Who, but I didn't know the album, and that was uh, interesting for me. So th this is um, I think it's good to uh, keep introducing us to. Um, yeah, um, so we are going um, to Sharpie, discuss got something for next week. Uh, we're going to talk about an album from a band that we both have great affection for. I think it's fair to say. Um, but it's from their leaner stage of their career and kind of dig around and explore mm. that a little as to why this wasn't uh, such a highlight of, of, of their career. So it's going to be Iron Maiden's Virtual Eleven album. Um, and ha it was interesting going mm. back and, and listening to that again. It'd been a long while since I'd, I'd heard it um so yeah it was it was actually good to go back and listen to it because it's um panned mm. uh and i can understand why so yeah i think that will be quite an interesting one in in many ways because let's face it iron maiden are the biggest one of the biggest bands on the face of the planet at the moment, aren't they you know but they weren't always thus Yeah, no, I just wanted to, sorry for interjecting there, I just wanted to say, I think um, even if you are not a fan of, of that album or that period of Iron Maiden, I think it's quite an interesting thing to 
to talk about because um, you know if they hadn't gone through that period, and that would make us all very an Iron Maiden now, you know. Exactly. So I think that's a good place to end it uh, today. So check us out, uh, the VRPC, the Vinyl Revelations podcast. Check us out on all streaming services, which means you know which one. And um, we we will be back uh, next week. So that's goodbye from me and goodbye from... Take it easy now. Thanks for listening.